We're going to be in Jonah chapter 3, and, and this, this chapter, it, it contains the high point of the story. This is like the highest point of this story. No matter how big the last miracle was that we've seen, we will see a bigger one. People are about to get saved in this chapter. And friends, that excites me. When people comes to the Lord, I just get excited. It's bigger than Jonah being swallowed up by a fish. We're about to see when Jonah starts to preach, these people get it. And they repent toward the end of the chapter. So there's a bigger uh, picture, a bigger miracle that takes place. And, and it actually will result in one of the greatest revival that has ever taken place. Like a whole city repents. Not just a few. Uh, not like in Acts uh, 3000. We're talking a whole city. Now that's revival. Imagine if Louisville, Kentucky, everyone would repent. We wouldn't be in the situation we're in today. So continue to pray for your city. So let's look at Jonah chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. would ask that you would go on and flip there. If you don't have a Bible, a smartphone, or anything like that, it will be on the monitors behind me. would ask out of reverence for the Lord Jesus Christ and his holy word if we could stand this morning for the reading of God's word. If you're not capable to stand due to physical elements or anything, we don't want you to do that. Starting in verse 1, it says, "Then Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I will tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breath. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast, put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, Lord Jesus, I just ask that your word would come alive. Father, I ask that it would breathe life into us. Lord, if there's some of us in here that does not know you, I pray that today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not later on, but today in this very moment. Father in heaven, I ask that you would hide this pastor behind the cross. Let your word go forth. Have your way, Lord Jesus, and we pray all these things in Christ's name and all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. One of the first things we're going to notice this morning is God is a God of second chances. God is a God of second chances. Notice with me at verses 1 and 2, it says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, and call out against it the message that I tell you. See, in these two verses, it is as if everything were back to square one, back to Jonah 1, 1, and 1, 2. If you'll look with me, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. 
Now, there's something different there. It just says, go call out against it. And if you notice in chapter 3, verse 1, it says, call out against it the message that I tell you. See, God is on to something here. God, God wants Nineveh to repent. And, and this was when, when all this took place was when Jonah rebelled against the Lord and his call to preach in Nineveh. We wouldn't be back at square one if Jonah would have just did what Jonah was supposed to do from the get-go. But thank goodness he is a God of second chances. I know many of us in this room this morning, some of us is on our third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth. Maybe it's your 99th chance. But thank God that he is a God of second chances because the day before you got saved, that was your one-way ticket to hell. But God gave you a chance, an opportunity to be redeemed and set free. See, but Jonah here, he had to experience firsthand the Lord's discipline and merciful deliverance here. Some of us need to experience the Lord's discipline. Some of us need to take to heart when, when God chastises. God will move. God will do things that you don't want him to do. But when God is trying to get your attention, he's going to get your attention by whatever means necessary. We've seen this in Jonah. He used a fish. Fast forward to our times, what does he use? Case in point, he might take you to the Holy Spirit woodshed, or he's liable to take you down to LMDC, or he's liable to get you in your own little corner in your private place and just deal with you. But God will get your attention when he wants your attention. And see, this is a sign to us Today of God's mercy and grace. See, Jonah was given the second chance to bring God's message to Nineveh. God didn't just check him off the checklist and say, well, you didn't do it the first time. I'm not going to use you. See, it is important, though, that we understand that Jonah still had to choose to obey God and go. He could have easily rebelled again. But this time, he chose to go. You know, that fish didn't just spit him out at Nineveh. He didn't land right there on the shore of Nineveh. No. When he got spit out onto the land, he had a choice to make. My friends, this morning, you have a choice to make. You can either obey God or disobey God. Choice is yours. But instead, he was taken back to where it all started. Instead of going to Nineveh, he went right directly to where he was in the very first place. See, it was the initial place of disobedience, and he was given a second chance to make things right. He had a decision to make. Either do what's right or do what's wrong. Some of us this morning, we need to make that decision. We need to make the decision today, either to obey God or disobey God. Disobedience, sign of witchcraft. What are you going to do this morning? Are you going to obey God? Are you going to say, okay, Lord Jesus, I'm willing to do whatever you tell me to do. Are you just going to push back the way Jonah did at first? It's something to think about. Just because you come to church... On a Sunday morning does not mean you're obeying God. That's just one little piece of the puzzle. 
What takes place Monday through Saturday, that's the real rub of things. What's going on behind closed doors? What are you doing behind the closed doors? Are you truly obeying God or are you living like hell? That's where you search your fruits. See what team you're on. And when God calls you to obedience, this is one thing you must truly understand and truly know. He is not going to change. When God grabs hold of you, whether you kick, shout, scream, or like I said last week, pout. When God chooses to grab hold of you, there is no other change to it. He's not going to just say, okay, I'm tired of messing with this one. I'm done with it. No. When you're under God's radar, you're under his radar. Now, can you come to a point where you sear your conscience? Yes. But when God has got a calling on you, you can't get away from it. You can run all you want. And I promise you will run right into God each and every time. Might not be when you want it to, but you will. So it is best to do things his way from the start. So ask yourself this. Have you had a second chance? Have you truly had a second chance? Well, you might be saying, preacher, pastor, you don't understand what all I've done. Well, I don't, but God does. And God truly wants to use you. Listen, Moses did. Moses truly understood this. See, he killed an Egyptian, and then he fled. Did that ruin his ministry? Nope. Peter. Remember Peter, he said to the Lord, I will never desert you, Lord. What did he do? He denies him. Luke chapter 22 and verse 33 says, Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And Jesus told him, you will deny me three times. And guess what? Peter did. Peter denied him. Did Jesus write off Peter? Nope. He didn't. He appeared to him and asked him three times. Do you remember this? Do you love me? Imagine what Peter's thinking in this moment. Jesus done told him, the rooster will crow three times. You will deny me. And now Peter's asked him three more times, do you love me? I bet you Peter was thinking, man, oh, this is not going to be good. But then on the third time, what did Jesus tell Peter? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. God still used him. Even in his rebellion, God still used him. So some of us have been like Moses. We have taken matters into our own hands. I can account several times where taking matters into my own hands. Maybe not killed someone, but did you know, according to the Bible, if you hate someone, you've murdered them? And there's times where we can get mad and we can take matters into our own hands and say, well, I hate this person, or I hate that. Guess what you just did? Same thing Moses did to the Egyptian. Killed him out. Like Peter. Some of us have denied Christ. When we have 
should have spoken for him. How many times you've been out and you've really felt the prompting of the Lord to share about Jesus with someone. And what do you do? You just kind of just brush it off and keep on walking. We've been like Peter. We've denied him. And then some of us have been like Jonah. We've just flat out ran from God. God will tell you, he'll say, Miss Susie Q, I want you to do this over here. And you say, nope, I got to go over here. Or he'll say, I want you to witness to this person or witness that person. And what do we do? We say, no, God, I can't do that. I can't talk. But yet we'll pick up the phone and we'll call a sister and start gossiping. We've run from God. Men, we're not off the hook. Maybe he's told us, won't you disciple somebody? Won't you walk with somebody? And what we say, man, I got to work. I got too much stuff to do. We're doing like Jonah. We're running away from the very things that God has told us to do. Look with me at verse 3. It says, so Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Three days journey in breath. Imagine what poor Jonah's thinking here, an exceedingly great city. Like Jonah knew, man, they impaled people there. They killed people, put them on public display. And God's telling him, go to this great city. Even when I'm studying in the text, every time I see the word Nineveh, I'm thinking Louisville, Kentucky. My mind is thinking how Louisville resembles Nineveh. We truly resemble Nineveh. So Jonah arose this time not to flee from the Lord, but to go to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. See, last time he fleed, and this time now he's going. It's the opposite effect here. He is no longer pushing back. I guess this is when it, uh, he finally realizes that it is just easier to do as God says to do rather than push back. But yet, look at everything he's done went through. Jonah didn't have to face this. Application for us. We don't have to face it. If we would just stop resisting the very things that God wants us to do, we wouldn't have to go through some of the things that we go through. But us, like Jonah, we think we're little gods, and we try to push back against God, and we say, no, God, I'm going to do it my way. Whether you like it or not, I'm bigger than you because I'm breathing air. Newsflash, he's the one that gives you air to breathe. He's the controller, not us. We think we have it together in the moment. But then when we look through the lens of the Bible as we're staring in the mirror, we realize that we've messed up and we face the almighty God. And when he puts your back in a corner, I pray that instead of you trying to flee like Jonah did, you would do like in chapter 3, you would arise and go as God tells you to. This is a lesson for every true Christian too often we try to outguess God. We'll try to outmaneuver Him. We, we, we try to outbutt God. But God, you don't understand. But God, this. But God, that. Stop. We just need to simply obey. This is all He wants us to do is have obedience. He don't like when His children pushes back. 
And if you're in tune with your heavenly father and you push back, trust me, there is a big hand from heaven that will swing all the way down to earth and catch you on your backside. I know kids don't understand about that these days, but it's called a good old-fashioned whipping. And God believes in that. Parents, some of us need to start believing in that a little bit more. Listen, when your children start to push back, go on, let them know. Bend over. Bend over. Because you're, you're just letting them live a wayward life. You're expecting them to be obedient when you're not obedient. Stop resisting the Lord. If God says it, then let's do it. We must do it. God didn't say to do it for no reason. God's not going to put you in some crazy predicament. He's going to guide you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to walk with you. Even when you don't feel like he's walking with you, he's still going to walk with you. I promise, if you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, if you look at that word sealed, it's like glue. It just can't come undone. It ain't like you can say, well, God, I made you mad today. I need you to take your Holy Spirit away. No, it's like Gorilla Glue. You are sealed. You are sealed. God will walk with you through things. Look with me at verse 4 real quick. It says, Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey. And he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. There's some key words in that verse there. Their significance. Several places in the Bible, 40 days represents a significant amount of time. Whether it was judgment in Genesis, instruction in Exodus, or repentance in Deuteronomy. There was significance to this 40 days. See, the people are given a significant amount of time to heed the message and turn from their evil ways. It wasn't like he said, stop, just do that there. No, Jonah went in and said, hey, guys, 40 days, repent, repent, repent. Jonah was preaching repentance. Some preachers, we need to start preaching repentance. And the Ninevites, they had been warned. They had been told, you will be overthrown. Judgment will come upon you. The Lord is about to bring his judgment and justice on them. He is about to pour out his wrath upon Nineveh. But notice at verse 5 here it says, And the people of Nineveh, they believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. There was no big eyes and little U's there in Nineveh. From the greatest to the least. Notice, notice that Jonah's message never mentioned repentance. It didn't need to. They understood what they needed to do. He didn't have to tell them. They already knew. Because when a prophet declared judgment was coming because of evil, it was understood that judgment would take place if repentance did not. So now the prophet's warning has become... An invitation to repent. When he's warning them, he's extending the invitation. He's letting them know what they must do. And the Ninevites, they, they take this warning to heart. 
Why don't we? Why don't we take it to heart? We see what's going on around us, but yet we're too afraid to repent. The preacher says, repent, 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 repent. And we're like, no, I'm good. Last time I checked, we're all sinners. We all need to repent. There's things in our life that we must let go of. What they do, they called for a fast and put on sackcloth. In the context of repenting and repentance then, fasting was a way to humble yourself before God and devote time to confessing your sins. Remember Daniel in his prayer for his people in Daniel chapter 9 and verse 3. It says, Then I turned my face to the Lord, seeking him by prayer, and pleased for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. See, sackcloth here, this was a sign of mourning. It was like a goat's hair and black and itchy and it's a sign of mourning. Then in Genesis chapter 37 and verse 34 it says, Then Jacob tore his garments and put on sackcloth on his loins and mourned for his son many days. But Joseph, see this sackcloth would have been like this black hair, which reminds us of today the black clothing that you always see people wearing into the funeral homes or sometimes into the church house. When the body's laying there, what do you always see? The black dress, the black glasses, black hats. It was a sign of mourning. And in its context of repentance, it was a way of saying, I am grieving because of the wrong that I have done. Friends, as we get into the Sermon on the Mount, why, why do we not grieve over the things we've done wrong? Blessed are those who mourn, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's not talking about mourning over the loss of a loved one. I know, I know we use that in, in text, but really it's talking about the sin. Why don't we mourn over the wrong we've done? Instead, we justify it. Well, I don't do as bad as that person, or I don't do this and I don't do that. Look what they did. Instead, we should be crying out, lamenting, because we have broken ourselves. We have separated ourselves from a holy, holy, holy God. But yet we act as if it's okay. I'll be all right. I'll go to church next week. What if you don't have next week? What if you don't have tomorrow, the next hour? Repentance is a must, which moves us into that. We need repentance. We need repentance. Louisville is in dire need of Jesus. We need Jesus more now than ever. Babies killing babies. And the news is acting as if it's nothing no more. It's about like when we was having the overdose pandemic, where it become, people just become so callous to it. We was like, oh, well, little Johnny just overdosed. Kept walking. Now in Louisville, we're like, well, little Larry just got shot. Another one down. We're not repenting and crying out. Church as a whole, we must cry out to God and repent. 
Listen, judgment, I personally feel, is on us right now. And you know where it starts at? In the house of the Lord. It starts in the house of the Lord. 170 plus murders already. We need to be in sackcloth sitting in ashes. We are a modern day Nineveh. Right here in our own hometown. Except our people, they won't impale you. They'll just shoot you. They don't need to thrust a joust through you or a sword and put you on display. No, here's what they do. They walk up, they pop you in your head, and and then they make TikToks about it. We're modern day Nineveh. Heed the warning. We need to repent. Church family, we need to start crying out to God. And it starts truly with us. Leaders, we need to come together. Stop fighting over politics. They ain't working yet. Democrats, Republicans, it ain't working yet. The only politic we need to be about is God and God's business. Let the wretched sort out their own. Let's start being about God. Maybe you walked in this morning and you're saying, whew, I don't even know your God. Well, you can today. We've sung about him. He hung on a cross. He did it so that your soul could be reconciled to God the Father. And then once you receive that extended grace and mercy, you are sealed with the third part of the Trinity. You are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. See, you had God the Father sitting in heaven. He sent God the Son, who died your death that you deserve. Then he said, hey guys, I I got to go. I don't even belong here. I just did this so you could be reconciled. What did he tell his boys? I'm going to send you someone better than me. I'm going to send you the comforter. He's the one that convicts. He's the one that lets us know when we're in the wrong. And friends, upon the day of salvation, you get sealed with that. So the day that you're not having conviction and the day that you feel like everything's all good and you can keep doing what you want to do, how you want to do it, when you want to do it, and where you want to do it, you might want to check out your salvation. You might want to do what the Word of God says. You might want to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. That means to get on your knees and cry out and say, Jesus, I fear you because you are almighty God. You are alpha, omega, beginning and end, and you're not the author of confusion. You are holy, holy, holy. There is cherubs standing around a throne, and that's all they're going to say and continue to say and will ever say. is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty, for he is and was to come. Man, and you can take part of that. Repent and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you. For the saint, you can look to heaven and say that. Jesus, thank you. So dear Heavenly Father, as we come to a close, Jesus, thank you. 
Thank you for what you've done and you continue to do. Father, be with us and guide us and strengthen us. Father, and if there's someone in this room that needs to make things right, let them do it. But Father, we as a church, let us call out to you. Let us cry out to a holy, holy God. Father in heaven, we pray all these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and worship.